Blog Talk Radio. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. is January Jones. She is not a young, beautiful, talented actress on Mad Men. She is not an older, gorgeous, exotic dancer from the Johnny Carson Show. She is an author, and she wrote, Thou Shall Not Wine, the 11th Commandment, that reads number one at Amazon.com. She is a reality TV golf personality with World High Stakes Golf televised on HDNet. She is a humorist and winologist expert. She is your featured host today on January Jones Sharing Success Stories. So sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh and listen to Ms. Jones with her eclectic roster of guests as you learn life's lessons. These stories plus sharing equals success. Welcome and remember, beware. Because you are entering the no-whining world of January Jones. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a lovely day. I'm January Jones, and I want to welcome you to my recently renamed podcast, January Jones Sharing Senior Success. Uh, as most of you know, I recently turned 80 years old, and I wanted to honor being a senior by including all the other seniors out there in the title of this podcast. However, never fear, I'm still the glitter granny, and as you can see, I glitter all over. <laughs> now for my listeners, let me ask you a question. Have you seen the movie that was made from the book, The Flowers from the Killer Moon? Yeah, I just saw it recently, and it was incredible, amazing. Do you know or have you heard anything about the Osage people? Now, this is the uh, Indian tribe that was featured in the book and the movie. Would you like to learn more about where they settled and what their history is like and their story? Can you imagine what it'd be like living on a reservation? However, their reservation wasn't the normal reservation you tend to think of. On their reservation, they discovered oil, and they became actually some of the wealthiest people in this country. Would you wish you could meet someone who's an expert about the Osage and tell us more about it? If you would like to meet that person, you can answer yes, and you may be to any of the questions I've asked you, and you are in the right place, and I'd like to welcome you to January Jones Sharing Senior Success Stories. Time to rest, relax, go get some cheese, get some crackers, Settle down and let me tell you about my guest. My guest is an award-winning writer. He is the author of the upcoming book, 
Unsung Heroes Wear No Capes, 12 Essential Virtues for an Extraordinary Life. That's a pretty amazing title. I really like it. He explores the concept of what it really means to be a helper of others. He maintains that everyone is capable of being an unsung hero. With a little inspiration and direction, using the character virtues we each possess, his book is available at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, and independent bookstores everywhere. It's my pleasure to welcome to our podcast today, Jim B. North. Hi, Jim. Hello, January. I'm really happy to be on your show. I promise I will not whine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, that's a pre prerequisite. <laughs> yes. Before we begin talking about the Osage, let's share a little bit about you. Uh, share with my listeners where you were born and a little bit about who your early mentors were and how you became uh, such a great writer. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I was born in Michigan in the thumb of the mitten, uh, Mount Clemens, Michigan. And I actually met someone recently out here in Oklahoma that was born in the same hospital. That was remarkable. So I was near Detroit, and I grew up in Michigan and Ohio, back and forth, back and forth. You know, every two or three years we moved because my dad was a pastor. And so um, I was out to prove him, prove everyone wrong that PKs are, are not goody uh, like <laughs> everyone thought. So I was pretty successful at shattering that uh, preconceived notion. No. And, um, you know, I married at age 22 and I have three grown kids and uh, four grandkids. And uh, Oklahoma, though, became home mm -hmm. after a professional career uh, in management and leadership and different things like that. I also had areas of service. I did pastor several years, uh, many years as a kid's pastor even, which was very rewarding. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm, I've been here in Oklahoma for many, many years. And I had a, a change uh, trajectory, and that was um, in my educational path. And so I obtained my bachelor's degree in professional writing and my master's degree oh, wow. in professional writing and journalism and mass communications. And the opportunities that sprouted from that wow. uh, have just <laughs> been off, off the chain. Yeah. And so um, I did I some journalism work uh, with the tribes. A lot of people don't know there are 39 federally recognized tribes in yeah. the state of Oklahoma today, and there are 500 something in the nation. Oh my gosh. Now that is so true. Uh, not many people know that or know anything about them. You know, interestingly enough, I was born in uh, Detroit, so I was born a Michigander. Really? <laughs> Wow. And then, and then I went off and married a guy from Ohio. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, I married a woman from Ohio. Oh yes, so. yeah. Well, see, we have to cheer for the Buckeyes now, so we're uh, Ohio State fans here. And, and guess what? I am. I I know from the the state up north. I yes. I'm a Michigan Wolverine fan, so. Oh yeah, that, yeah. You, Ohio, you can't even say the words; not allowed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, now uh, Indians. I I I heard 
you know, we'd read about it in our history books vaguely. There wasn't a lot out there. And uh, it's incredible that you chose to write this story. And it's a, uh, once you see the movie, it just gives you, and read the book, there's just such a concept, oh my gosh, of, of what they went through. This was not, people didn't know about this, did they? Oh, no. no. I mean, really, I lived out here in Oklahoma for a few decades and did not know their story. Even though the Osage um, uh, County is was only 40 minutes away from me. Oh, wow. Uh, but their history is absolutely incredible. And it, it will, you will do a favor to Native American, no matter what tribe, mm -hmm. if we understand more of their story. You well, can make well, a difference in the life oh, of sure. a Native American by hearing them and what recognizing I, some of what they've been through. Yeah, what I found so amazing and interesting was that they go as far back as 400 BC. Yes. I, who knew? <laughs> yes, in Pennsylvania, that was their original uh, homelands, um, four to 500 BC, uh, during the following centuries um, and millennia. Uh, they settled in the woodlands mainly, uh, the Ohio River, their mm -hmm. lands took in not only Pennsylvania, but uh, some of Ohio and Illinois and Indiana. They traveled, though, back and forth across the Mississippi when it came strawberry moon time. They would go hunting uh, across the Mississippi for buffalo, and then they would come back, back and forth, back and forth. Okay, so what is a strawberry moon? Uh, well, I mean, I've, I've read a little bit about it. It's... Uh, I'm really not recalling it exactly right now, but it meant they were, it was time for them to go hunting. Okay. Okay. That was their, that was their cue, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> well, right now we're going to take a break and I'm so pleased to have Jim on the show because he assures me he's not a whiner, but if you know any whiners, this is your gift to give them. Lately, there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones, the author of Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th commandment that reached number one at Amazon.com. Ms. Jones based her book on a survey of the top 10 things that people whine about at all ages and all stages of life. January is a success coach that can tell you how to help others. When you buy Thou Shall Not Whine, the 11th commandment, you'll find out what people whine about and how to stop them from whining. This is the perfect gift book to give or get for any occasion. Thou Shall Not Wine was voted the best gift to be given anonymously for those special people in your life. Ms. Jones is an internationally known author in the style of Irma Bombeck, specializing in housewife humor with her book being published in Korea and China. You can find Thou Shall Not Wine at Amazon.com. Welcome back with our new friend, Jim, from Oklahoma. And, uh, Jim, uh, I'd like you to share with our listeners your website information and your book and where they could get it. Uh, my website is jimbnorth.com, so it's J-I-M-B-N-O-R-T-H.com. 
the links to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Walmart are on my website. Mm-hmm. Um, Unsung Heroes Wear No Capes, 12 Essential Virtues for an Extraordinary Life. It's meant to inspire people and um, to really raise their vision, who they are, who they can be. Uh, I, there's an unsung hero story in every single chapter, but there's also encouragements and exhortations in every chapter. Oh, okay. Um, that's a great title. I really like that title. It makes Thank me think you. a little bit. That's very good. When you were doing this research, how did you, what was your main source? How did you uh, research this book? Oh, I just dug into articles um, and uh, just everything I could get my hands on. Uh, if you wanted me to set the story up, I can do so by reading an article from the New York Times that occurred back in the 1920s. Oh, yeah. I'd love to hear that. Okay. This will set the story, and then uh, I can go back and, and build it up to that point. You know what I mean? Okay. So this is where it ends, but what happened to bring it to this point? Okay. It's so important to know their removal story. Why did they come to Oklahoma to start with? Yeah, yeah. But here's what the New York Times had to say, and this was in 1926, January 17th. <laughs> Seldom in the long history of the white man's dubious dealings with the Indian has there been such a determined combination of craft and violence. White men and women have married members of the wealthy tribe. Others have become beneficiaries of heavily insured Indians. The devices for transferring oil royalties into white hands have been infinite. Before oil was discovered, the Osage Nation lived in peace on its meager lands, mm-hmm. held under treaty with Uncle Sam and unmolested by the white man. But when petroleum began to gush from the Indians' hills, a throng of whites appeared on the scene. And ever since that time, the courts of the little town of Pahuska have been overwhelmed with lawsuits and criminal cases, while one after another of the heads of rich Indian families has been the victim of murder. So that was recognized at the time what was going on. You know, in 1889 uh, became the Oklahoma land run. Why? Because of the discovery of oil. You know, I think that Everyone should understand, maybe some know, maybe not to the extent that we should know, that the Indians were exiled to Oklahoma before Uh, it became a state. It was a sentence, you know. You guys can live here because it's undesirable land. No one else. Until the oil. Yeah. So um, do you want me to give a bit of background on where they came from and how they got to Oklahoma? Yes, for sure. And I'm curious to know how big of uh, their, how, how much land did they actually have? What did they live on? How many acres? 1.6 or so million acres is what they purchased from the U.S. government. Oh. Now the thing, (laughs) I have to be conscious of time. But the thing is, they were rattled around like a pinball Mm -hmm. because they were removed from the woodlands of their homeland east of the Mississippi. Uh They were exiled to west of the Mississippi through treaties. The treaties kept, they were unending, you know, they kept having to give up this land and give up that land. And, you know, it was ridiculous. 
Once, once they settled near St. Louis, the Cahokia Mounds, many tribes were living in that city. It was a thriving city at the time. But the, the new homelands of the Osage became Arkansas and Missouri and Kansas and Oklahoma. Now, at the time, though, it wasn't Oklahoma, right? Mm-hmm. It no. wasn't until 1907. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But the, the treaties of cessation of land occurred in 1808, 1818, 1825, 1839. Mm-hmm. It was never enough what they had to give up. Yeah. And all total, they say the the seeding of land by the Osage was, um, I, I think it was over time, a hundred million acres. Okay. When you take it all together. Uh-huh. And like, like, who who actually? How did they discover that they had oil? Did did someone come in and drill, or was it? Okay. How did how did well, to answer that question, I give you the fact that they were. Now I'm I am having to go back to come up to that point. Okay, okay. Because they had to give up. They were already in Oklahoma, you know, Indian Territory. It wasn't Oklahoma. Okay. They were already there in Missouri and Arkansas and so forth. But by the time of the 1830s is when the Trail of Tears, right? Mm -hmm. And so you had all these tribes coming west. Well, the Osage were already in Indian Territory. And the Cherokee, through the Trail of Tears, they were the last tribe removed from the east. And they had to settle in Indian territory, which was already occupied by the Osage. So this became a conflict, too. You know, all these tribes had to share space all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. But these treaties were meant to be in perpetuity forever. Oh, wow. Until the next treaty, you know, which was (laughs) you never knew when the next one was coming. But they kept having to give up land. So they gave up and tried to give a, a really quick synopsis here they had to give up the indian territory when the cherokee came Mm -hmm. and by 1839 they were removed to kansas Mm -hmm. kansas city until it became known by the white settlers that hey kansas city is good farmland we want that well then they had to leave kansas city another treaty yes and so Mm -hmm. they're like throwing their hands up the osage Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, let's find some land nobody wants. <laughs> Absolutely nobody. Holy so this is the way that it was told uh, to me by the uh, Osage uh, tribal member. <laughs> the irony that, of the whole thing. Wow. <laughs> their warriors were sent out on horseback after having to give, leave Kansas City mm-hmm. in Kansas. They they it became known as the Osage Diminished Reserve in the southeast part of Kansas. Mm-hmm. It kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Mm-hmm. And so they said, okay, let's find some land nobody wants. And so they sent out their warriors on horseback who shot their uh, threw their spears in the air. Uh-huh. And when the spears came down, yeah. <laughs> if it did not stick in the ground, they knew it was not good farmland. Oh, okay. And that nobody would want it. <laughs> so that happened in northeast or north o- Oklahoma. They w- the spears wouldn't stick in the ground anymore. So this is the land we want. Okay, nobody's going to want it. 
The Cherokee didn't want it because they sold it to the U.S. government. The U.S. government sold it to the Osage. Oh, wow. Well, where did they get uh, the money to buy this land from the government? If they well, the, the treaties gave them some enough money to buy it. Oh, okay. But you so, can imagine the sale price uh-huh. was not great. Yeah, yeah, not a great deal. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it didn't cost much to acquire land in northern Oklahoma that nobody wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was like $200,000. Yeah. Okay, so but what possibly would be their game plan once they got that land that no one else wanted? How were they going to support themselves? Well, you know, I mean, I, I don't exactly, you know, I'm not a great historian on it, but, you know, they had, they, they were survivors. I mean, these Osage are, have steely resolve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to meet them, you know they have pride in who they are, and they, and they should. Yeah. You know, it, it was what was diminished was not just their land; it was their tribal sovereignty uh-huh. as people. It was taken away and taken away and taken away. Yeah. Okay. And people were beaten for speaking their native Osage tongue. Uh, but anyway, by the time 1887 rolled around, the government realized, hey, we kind of want this land, too. Mm-hmm. And so uh, by 1889, these were called the Niners. Okay. It's the Oklahoma land run. Imagine this. Now, I've I've run the Tulsa run and some other runs, and you have 10,000 people at the start line, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I've done a this, few This is a true and accurate picture that there were 50,000 <gasps> white settlers at the start gate wow. when the Oklahoma land run gunshot in 1889. Boomtowns sprouted all over the area. And so um, it is said that Guthrie, which is the first capital of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. overnight went from zero population to 10,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because of the Oklahoma land run. Okay. But then uh, oil was discovered in 1889, 1889. and that's, or 1898, I think it was. Uh-huh. And uh, overnight, the Osage were the rip- richest people in the world per capita. Oh, wow. That is just amazing. You know, um, one of the things that I want to talk to you about when we come back is the part where they sent these small children uh, literally off to boarding schools where they would learn, as you said, they could stop speaking their language. And, oh, my gosh, talk about a brainwashing experiment. Uh, right now, <laughs> 60 years after JFK assassination, and people are still wondering who did it. Let me ask you a question. Are you still wondering who killed Kennedy? Over 50 years later, the assassination is still a mystery. It is unfinished business for our country. Now, get ready for a theory that you've never heard before, but will make more sense than any other conspiracy theory that you've ever heard in the past. January Jones speaks the unspeakable in her book, 
Jackie, Ari, and Jack. The tragic love triangle connecting Jackie and Aristotle Onassis romantically prior to JFK's assassination. Did you know that Ari was Jackie's guest in the White House during the JFK funeral? He was the only non-family member who was invited by Jackie to stay there during the funeral. Aristotle Onassis was one of the wealthiest men in the world with the means, the motive, and the money to order an assassination that was the perfect crime of the last century. Ari needed class, and Jackie needed cash. They were perfect for each other. Now, what is Camelot? It is but another tragic love triangle. Jackie, Ari, and Jack is available at JanuaryJones.com, Amazon.com, and Audiobooks.com, read by Ms. Jones. Welcome back with my guest, Jim North, who is an expert and writer, and he is an expert on the Osage Indians that have been featured recently in books and movies. And this is a story that's really never been told until now. And it's such an important thing. Uh, as I was saying before we went on break, the part where these families were just separated and children were taken away, given back. And what a demoralizing situation. And here they were with all this money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the boarding schools, uh, yes. The phrase, ask a Native American what they know about kill the Indian, save the man. That was a a phrase. Oh, okay. Kill the Indian, save the man. That means you don't kill the body. You simply kill the Indian inside. Oh, okay. That is, you don't let them speak their language. You mm -hmm. strip them of their native traditions. Mm -hmm. You make them assimilate into white culture. And this was asked after the pattern of military boot camps. Okay. And you can Google Carlisle Indian schools, mm -hmm. boarding schools, and, and the atrocities are just oh, yeah. astounding. Yeah, yeah. Um, so once they had this oil and became wealthy, wealthy, how did the uh, inter the marriages between the uh, whites and the Indians, the men and the women, how did that come about? I'm, I'm sure the Indians weren't happy about that, were they? What was that last part you said? That the the tribe the Osage the tribe would not be happy that that was happening, and how right. did they allow it to happen? Right. Well, it was these new acts by the government. Uh, one and uh, one was called the Dawes Severalty Act mm -hmm. of eighteen eighty seven, and mm -hmm. the one following was the um, Indian Allotment Act of nineteen oh six. In 1887, this was an attempt by the government to break up the land of the Osage. Okay. Remember, they purchased 1.6 million acres. It was owned in communally by the tribe. The well, tribe. the Act of 1887 was designed by the government to break it up into oh. 160 acres uh, head of household. Oh, okay. And so you can imagine if that's in 1887 and then by 
1898, oil was discovered. <laughs> okay, now they want to go further. And in 1906, uh, they neg- negotiated some more, the government, because what they wanted to do, to do was create a surplus so the, the government could have it back. You know, the whites could have it back. And they really believed that the Indians, the Osage, would become extinct, exterminated. Oh. It was oh. a truly, yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and say it, mm-hmm. it was a systematic genocide. Okay. And no Native American is going to argue with you on that. Mm-hmm. And so they really believed they'd have the land back. They wanted to create a surplus. It really didn't work. The Osage retained 75% of the land. So by 1906, the Osage were a little bit wiser. And instead of head of household, they negotiated this where it would be 160 acres per person in the household. That included babies. Okay. And so uh, by 1912 uh, became the uh, auctioning off of oil leases in Pawhuska of the Osage uh, allotments, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's a, a lease or a sale. And 160, get this right, $160 million of options took place in Pawhuska under the Million Dollar Elm. And translated January, that is $2.5 billion today. So the the land was desired by the whites, the, the boomer Sooners, and mm-hmm. I'm a graduate of the University of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. but the Native Americans don't really like the word Sooner because of what that association means to them. So uh, what would happen is a, a white person might marry an Osage woman. Uh-huh. Okay. She gets the head right and then kill the woman. Wow, that's what we saw in the movie. I mean, absolutely, it, it happened. And and I will say this too: the the estimation of the numbers of Osage that were murdered mm-hmm. is way, way, way under what it should be. It was yeah. hundreds, mm-hmm. hundreds of murders. Mm-hmm. And this was called a you know this went over a span of time, but the Osage Reign of Terror. You know, the, the mm-hmm. I don't want to call it a sweet spot, but what I'm saying is um, from 1920 to 1924 was uh, it was in a, its prime. Uh, yeah. But the sale of the Osage uh, lease rights and property occurred from 1912 even into you know, like 1930, I believe. Wow. Yeah. What a and it was interesting to read about these uh, families and they would have cars, servants, uh, Rolls Royce, that Pierce arrows, you name it, and they were they'd have you know ten, twenty cars, and it was money, un- unbelievable money, and they they all kind of went a little uh, crazy, didn't they? Yeah, one uh, elder of the tribe that I got to talk to. Uh, told me this, that they were so rich and so wealthy that when they would buy one of those new cars, like a Pierce Arrow or whatever, that uh, the car dealers didn't tell them that all you had to do is fill it up with gas 
And so when they would run out of gas on the side of the road, and then they'd go buy a new car. Until they became wiser about that. But, you know, they were called uncivilized. It's really not true, January. Uh It's just because you don't speak English Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're uncivilized. Mm-hmm. Nor does it mean that you should be treated in within such inhumanity. Mm-hmm. No, and they basically had no representation uh, as far as the government and the country, did they? No, they didn't. Were you know, they, they had to fend for themselves for sure. Did they get? When did they get to vote? Um. I don't know when the citizenship became available mm-hmm. to the Osage, but yes, they white people knew they couldn't vote, and they were treated as yeah. less, for sure. Yeah. And so all these, was it mostly women that were being killed? Well, I don't have all the demographic on that yeah uh, but it wasn't just women that were murdered mm-hmm. no because i mean at the time until a new law was passed later uh, mm-hmm. you were able if you were a white person to acquire the head right of an osage it, oh, let's let me give you another example okay. uh, a man a white man could get an indian drunk yeah and then in a altered state of mind, have them sign away their head right. Oh, okay. Yeah. There was all kinds of trickery and deceit going on. Yeah, and, uh, and the part where they were serving the Indians this horrible uh, alcohol that was basically poison. They were poisoning these people to death in some instances. And, you know, there's always this thought where people think, well, uh, you know, Indians can't handle alcohol. Well, they were getting killed with that. Yes. Um, the um, tribal member that I spoke with in mm-hmm. Pawhuska, one of them, told me that it became so dangerous that you couldn't even ask someone over to your house without being afraid that someone was going to be poisoned. So they would tell their guests, don't eat anything. Don't drink anything here. I don't mm-hmm. want you to be killed in my house. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, wow. This is just a fascinating story. We're going to take a break and hear about some priceless people who have been. Oh, that's the wrong book. <laughs> some priceless people that have been here on the show, just like Jim. We'll be right back. Have you ever met someone who was unforgettable? Someone who has touched your heart and soul? People who have faced difficult problems? People who have struggled to find solutions. People who fearlessly shared their stories. People who have not only informed you, but inspired you. People who have priceless personalities. I have been fortunate to host an internet radio talk show called January Jones Sharing Success Stories. And it has been my privilege to interview hundreds of guests. My guests have shared their stories their struggles, their secrets, and their successes in their own words. In this book, we're talking about people dealing with problems such as incest, molestation, 
runaway kids, child abuse, drug abuse, polygamy, unemployment, scandal, and starting over. Then there are my guests dealing with difficult physical struggles such as blindness, cancer, and birth defects that are beyond traumatic. My guests have all been exciting, eclectic, and energizing. They have amazed, amused, and even astonished me. I have adored getting to meet them, and I adore sharing them with you. Attention all listeners, Priceless Personalities, Success Stories Shared by January Jones, Volume 2 is now available at Amazon.com in paperback and Kindle editions. You'll be able to meet 10 amazing people who will be sharing their own personal stories with all their struggles, successes, and solutions sprinkled with lots of humor and hope. Priceless Personalities features a teenager who becomes one of the famous Supremes from Motown, a nurse who has a humorist helps people to heal, an inspiring laughter yoga instructor, a mother dealing with the loss of a child, an incredible motivational speaker, a woman who married five times, a gifted paranormal nurse, a wise economist, a funny female humorist, along with an older man sharing his sweet childhood in the deep south. January's guests are all amazing and amusing. You will never forget meeting them. Go to Amazon.com for your own priceless experience. Also, everyone, all of my books are on audible.com, so you can find them there, too. Everyone's listening to their phones now. Uh, Jim is a priceless a guest telling us a, an amazing story. Jim, could you share some things that you found in your research uh, about the Osage that most people would never know? Yeah, I mean, one interesting thing to me was mm-hmm. how – big they were centuries ago. Really? I mean, I had no idea. Their warriors were seven to nine feet tall. Wow. (laughs) And this tribal member, I mean, he is well-versed in their history and that they could walk 100 miles a day. Uh, And I I thought, seven to nine feet tall? And he said, yes. And uh, I said, well, he explained what happened that They had to make another treaty with the U.S. government through selective breeding to stop, to (laughs) stop this. So they didn't want that. And so, I mean, they had their own process for achieving this, but uh, through a treaty, they they agreed to stop uh, through selective breeding to to be that big. Tell us the story about the Pahuska, how that came about. It means white hair. Okay. And um, Paul Huska had an encounter with George Washington uh, before he became president. And this um, Indian warrior, Osage warrior, was seven feet tall. And uh, George Washington was six feet, foot three. And so um, this Indian went to, like, scalp him and pulled <laughs> his hair off. And it was a powdered wig. <laughs> And so he's got in his hand and and he's screaming because he's never seen a powdered wig before. (laughs) And so uh, George Washington is in a panic, too, because the Indians in a panic. Uh And uh, this is the way the story goes that George Washington ran with the powdered wig still in the Osage's hand. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Alhaska <laughs> is the is the uh you know the Osage head, home of the Osage Nation headquarters. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's anyone in the vicinity should go visit. Now they know January that it really January it hasn't been that long ago. Mm-hmm. You know that this all of this happens, so they know. And yeah. forgive the term, but they're a little gun shy. Oh yeah. Of people still living in their hills that are descendants of those that murdered them. Yeah, yeah. So it is a tragic, tragic story. Mm-hmm. And they're in the process of rebuilding their tribal sovereignty. And I believe that there are 24,000 members of the Osage tribe. Mm-hmm. They have their headquarters thriving. Their language is thriving. That was not successfully extinguished, nor their traditions. And I've mm-hmm. talked to many tribes, not just the Osage, mm-hmm. and they are in the process of rebuilding what was taken by piecemeal. Mm-hmm. And and when you see the uh, book and read, uh, see the movie in the book, you see this uh, murders happening, uh, mothers, sons, brothers. I mean, this was just the whole family was all affected, and you you're like. Your mother's been murdered, but you're with your father, who murdered your mother. And what a conflict for these uh, young uh, people growing up in the tribe. Yeah, I mean, for any of us, couldn't we say the worst thing in the world is to not be valued as a person? Right, right. Uh, To not be valued as a person, as as, as a tribe, your culture, your history, just who you are in essence. Mm-hmm. This this is inexcusable. Uh, the things that have happened. It it. What are the lessons that we can derive from that? Yeah. And that is how are we treating each other today? Do we really want to repeat history, the cruelty or the inhumanity today that has transpired in the past? We do well to learn the history lessons so that we're better persons, mm-hmm. better contributors uh, to the lives of others and the vision of others. They have a vision for the future. Uh, they really do. Yeah. I uh, We lived in Payson, Arizona for nine years, and they had a, uh, the tribe there had a casino, and everyone in the tribe had a portion, a share of the casino. And so they were, uh, you know, they all had pretty nice homes and an income. They had an income. Do the uh, Osage, have they opened up casinos? Yes, there are a lot of casinos here in Oklahoma. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, there is an Osage casino. I've been to it. You know, it's a hotel. I didn't gamble there, but um, mm-hmm. I did uh, stay there mm-hmm. for a night. Yeah. And it's near Skytook. Uh-huh. Guy to Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This was a, a, a Tonto tribe, and uh, then of course some of the tribes you, they had some, you know, where they didn't get along, little rivalries going on. Does that happen still in Oklahoma, or is it just the Osage? Well, I'm not sure how to answer that question. Um, the tribes uh, that I am aware of are doing well. Mm-hmm. And I've done uh, research and stories and interviews 
with uh, not only the Osage, but the uh, Quapaw. Oh, beautiful yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Flop Flocko. <laughs> Try saying <laughs> that one, but they're, um, <laughs> they were a part of the creek, Muskogee Creek. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, also, I did research on the Miami tribe. Oh, they started mm-hmm. out in Indiana, mm-hmm. and they ended up out here. Yeah. And then the Modoc, and I and I want to give you a thought here in a second. Mm-hmm. The Modoc came from California. Hmm. What drove the Modoc to northeast Oklahoma from California? The eighteen forty nine gold rush. That's what. Oh. Okay. Uh. All these tribes that, you know, ended up here in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Oklahoma became a state in what year? 1907. What do you think was the catalyst for the statehood of, of the United States 46th state? <laughs> it was oil and then their hills. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I- and gold from California. And, you know, in Kansas, it became good farmland, so you got to get them out of there. If you're yeah. a Native American, you're kind of tired of being pushed, pushed around, around yeah. and they're yeah. not being pushed around anymore, but they're not understood. Yeah. That's the step further that we can take today, is understand. Yeah, compassion. And I mean, the story where these people were being murdered and buried no cemetery no grave and they just disappeared and they were just doing that to hundreds and thousands probably it went into the millions yeah Uh, oh it did i mean it's mm -hmm. staggering to the conscience how many millions of lives were lost but i stood over the grave of a seven-year-old and she was the her name was rosie jack she was the first prisoner of war sent in the iron horse boxcar of a train from California to Northeast Oklahoma, her dad was the chief and he lost his life with no trial. They already decided he was guilty. Oh, That's dear. a whole other story. But I stood over her grave. She was seven years old when she was buried in Northeast Oklahoma. Her dad had been beheaded the year before. Yeah. This has been quite a history lesson, and I hope our listeners are getting something out of it, because your message is very encouraging if people will hear it. And uh, thank you so much for coming and sharing it with my listeners today, because this is something people just don't know about. However, I think with the uh, movie and book, this is going to be a big talk about subject. And uh, and you were ahead of the curve on this one. <laughs> well, I haven't even seen the movie yet, and I really can't wait to see it. You know, I understand it's like three hours long. It'll be worth every minute. It was. You know, I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. And usually I get bored in a movie that's over two hours. And this one was, well, you had a great uh, Martin Scorsese doing it. So that Yeah, was- Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, yeah, great. Okay. Thank you, Jim. And we'll have you back again for another history lesson. (laughs) Thanks, January. It's been great. Thanks. (laughs) I hope you all have enjoyed our visit with Jim North today. 
Thank you for entering the no wine zone with us today. And please share our show and our stories with everyone you know. Remember, you need to stop whining, start smiling. And if that doesn't work, then you can start eating chocolate, lots and lots of chocolate. Take care. Stay safe. We want to thank you for listening to January Jones Sharing Success Stories. Always remember Ms. Jones' personal mantra, if you can think it, you can do it. That's what all of our guests have done with their lives, and so can you. You are the ultimate success coach in your own life. All you need to do will be to start sharing your own story with your family and friends. We hope that our guest stories will encourage you to explore an equation in your future that will combine your creativity, plus connecting with others will enable you to be successful too. Always remember, your passion plus your purpose will equal prosperity as you explore the wonderful world of January Jones.